Father God, we praise you, our one true King of kings and Lord of lords. You alone, the one who is worthy of all worship and glory and praise. You are uh, our righteous King, um, our gracious Heavenly Father, uh, the one who is before all ages. And Father, as we come before you, we, we, and Lord, we listen to teaching from your word. We ask that you would open our hearts that you would soften our hearts before you, that you would continue to sanctify us through your word and by your spirit as um, we uh, unpack your word, as we learn more about you. And Lord, we ask that you would do all these things for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, our savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, when I ended off last week, we've been, well, for newcomers, we've uh, been going through a series on the doctrine of God. Last week, we finished off, um, I think it was five weeks looking at the Trinity. Yeah, I think it's, I've enjoyed it. I don't know you guys. Um, so we're shifting now from that part of the doctrine of God. And I think last week, I incorrectly said we're going to be looking at the providence of God. Um, we will be looking at the providence of God in weeks to come. This week, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the decree of God. So, the decree of God is concerning, obviously, the, the will of God. And to ask the question, how does God bring things to pass on earth? That is what we're dealing with concerning the, the decree of God. Has he left us to our own devices to, to make our own choices that are independent of him. And some would say, well, this is evidence that he loves us, evidence that he's given us true free will, is freedom to choose. Welcome, Phil and uh, Ryan and Natalie. So they would say, well, evidence that God loves us, that he's given us free will to make our own choices. Or on the other hand, is it that God has determined exactly what choices we will make? And then, does this mean we are some sort of robots? Now, our culture teaches us to be fiercely independent. Yeah, that uh, we are the masters of our own destinies. We are considered to be the Lord of our own lives. That it is we who determine our own futures. So the question we have to ask, well, is this attitude compatible with a biblical worldview? And is it compatible with, with our view of God, more importantly? So what we're going to see in looking at the, at the decree of God is what we're really going to see is the outworking of God's attributes. Now, if you remember weeks ago, we've, we looked through all God's attributes like his love, his justice, his eternity, his immutability, sovereignty, omniscience, and, and all that. And so what we see is concerning his decree is really the outworking of these attributes in his will. And we're going to see that God hasn't just left us to our own devices. Instead, he remains intimately involved with his creation where he is setting out to work all things together for his good and according to his purposes. So what is the decree of God? Well, I think a good place to start 
is our confession of faith. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 3, is, devotes an entire chapter to God's eternal degree. I'm just going to read from the first three paragraphs. And then as we, the more we get into the decree, um, we'll carry on reading from, from the rest of it. So, paragraph one, God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so, as thereby neither God is the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Although God knows whatsoever may or can come to pass upon all supposed conditions, yet he has not decreed anything because he foresaw it as future or as that which would come to pass upon such conditions. By the decree of God for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestinated according to everlasting life and others foreordained to everlasting death. So obviously we're going to pack, unpack a lot of these things as we get through um, the material in, in the coming weeks. But overall, the, our, the Westminster Confession of Faith is just testifying to the truths that are already contained in scriptures, not teaching anything new or foreign concerning the word of God. And so let's look at some scripture, which, which the Westminster Confession um, derives its teaching from, obviously. So Psalm 33, verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Isaiah 14:24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so it shall be. And as I have purposed, so it stands. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Well, Acts 2, 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Ephesians 1. You see, the scripture's not wishy-washy on this. There's a lot that the Bible has to say. Ephesians 1, 4-5, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons 
through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Ephesians 1, 11, last one. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his will. And those are just some mind-blowing scriptures. And from just those scriptures, and there are many more like them in, in the Bible, what we can see is that God has decreed what will happen. Secondly, we can see that God's decree or his counsel, it always comes to pass. Nothing can stop God doing what God's going to do. Which is that, in other words, thirdly, God's decree cannot be thwarted. Fourthly, God's decree has been set in place from eternity. And then fifthly, God works all things to accomplish his decree. So any questions, initial thoughts so far before we take a deep dive in here? But deterministic for you. Okay, no, that's a it's a good observation, um, Lorna. But I think what we're going to see is as we understand, try to understand the decree of God biblically, it's not annulling the need for prayer, because Scripture affirms repeatedly that we must pray. It is a good thing for us to pray and um, that we are not just robots. We've got to, there's, there's, there's some complexity in this that we, we, need, to, we need to unpack and we'll, we'll hopefully get to that um, before the end of, of this uh, lecture. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> yes, Gary. Yeah, are we supposed to pray according to the will of God, mm. in the will of God? So many times when we pray, the answers we get are not necessarily the answers that we sought, but the sure. answers are in accordance with the will of God. So the prayer is a means for us to get our lives and our prayer lives and everything else aligned and attuned in His will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Any?
can be disobeyed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when we talk about God's revealed will, we talk about his, his law. The Ten Commandments is the expression of the, of the will of God. But we know that we, we go against God's will in that sense every day. We break the Ten Commandments every day. So in that sense, we, we can live against the will of God in rebellion to him. But his secret will is that which he has not revealed to anyone, and that's his ultimate will that always comes to pass. Yeah. But we can drill down. So it was Cullum first and then Gerald, yeah. Um, is there any reason why we refer to the decree of God singular rather than the decrees of God? Because God's clearly decreed multiple things yeah. to happen. Is it just a collective, or is there some deeper? I think it's just a term to say the ultimate will of God. Yeah, which includes all sorts of things, but that that he's going to achieve. Yeah. Cheryl. See, all this is just really an implication of the truth that God is omniscient. Okay, what do we mean by the omniscience of God? He knows everything. Okay, if God knows everything, well, then the future is determined. Okay, God only knows the future because he's decreed it. Yeah, this is the only reason that God is able to reveal future events through the prophets in, in, in the scriptures. Yeah, it's the only reason he could decree or he could inspire Isaiah by the Holy Spirit in 750 BC to write about Jesus on the cross. How could he do that unless that event was decreed before the creation of the world. So if the future was not determined by God, well, that sort of thing would be entirely impossible. Gary, sorry, do you want to say something? Yeah, I think this is an important point because it distinguishes us from, that is, uh, those of the Reformed faith yeah. to those who are of the Arminian faith, i.e. the church that we're sitting in right now. Um, and it's, it's very clear in, 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 in section two uh, where the divines say, he yet has he not decreed because he foresaw it as future. Yeah. Or as that which would come to pass upon certain conditions. Yes. It's not that God 
foresaw your faith. Yes. And therefore decided to put his blessing on it. Exactly. But that he, before the foundation of the world, chose you in him yeah. for salvation and others he chose for damnation. Well, he, he passed over. So he passed over. Yeah. It says that others foreordained to everlasting death. Yes. Foreordained. I know there's but there's a, we, we, speak, we speak of predestination. We'll get to this later in the course. But we speak about predestination according to life and unto death in slightly different ways. There's a nuance here. We'll get to that. I'm aware of those nuances. <laughs> All right, but yeah, Romans 9, you can look at that. Um, so you see, the, the Greek word that's often used in the New Testament, speaking of God's decree, is proorizo. And that means to decide beforehand, to, to, to predetermine. Um, so this is, this is not, we're not making this stuff up. This is fundamentally how the Bible speaks. Um, and it's, the word is used in places like Acts 4.28, Romans 8.29-30, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.7, 1 Ephesians 1. So the, the very language of Scripture explicitly affirms God's predestined decree. And Gary, as you pointed out, the Arminians, we'll get to the Arminians as well in time to come, but the Westminster Confession of Faith, um, chapter 3, which we read, has a... Um, has a, it's a job against the Arminians in there because how the, the Arminians typically understand predestination. They say, yeah, no, no, sure, we believe in predestination. But they see it as, no, it's um, that God, God didn't decide things before the creation of the world. He foresaw what would happen. Is it, there's a significant difference there. Okay, either God is the author of history or he looks down the corridors of time and he's mere, and a, mere, a mere observer to that. And the Westminster Confession of Faith affirms the former and rejects the latter. And the, the biblical, we want to interpret pro rizzo according to how scripture speaks about it. It's the former. It's that God has determined things beforehand. He's the author of history, It's not he's an observer seeing who just knows how things are going to pan out. He knows who's going to choose him and who's going to reject him. And then the ones who choose him are his elect, etc. But we'll, we'll get to that as, as things um, unfold here. Now we also need to look at the, the biblical narrative, which also affirms the truth of, of God's decree. And we, we recently finished preaching through Genesis, and remember the last chapter of Genesis, Genesis 50, verse 20. Um, Joseph reflects on the sinful actions of his brothers towards him, and it's clear from that verse that he understands that even though his brothers meant it for evil, God meant those things for good, that God achieved his good purposes through those sinful actions. Look at Nebuchadnezzar pagan king um, of uh, Babylon, he understood that God was indeed sovereign over all things, eh, quoting Daniel 4.35, according to his will, 
among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Acts 17, um, Paul preaching in the Areopagus uh, says that God has determined the times and the places of every person's life in his decree. He has determined how long each person will live. It's in Job 14 verse 5 and Psalm 139 verse 16. God even knows the, when, the death of every bird. And he knows the number of our heads. The, the, the hairs on our heads. <laughs> they included in God's plan. That's Jesus' words in, in Matthew 10, 29 to 30. And then, in a, maybe an attempt to, to kind of clarify some of your questions, Lorna. Um, Acts 2.23 um, shows us that Jesus' crucifixion was predestined by God. It was according to his definite plan and foreknowledge. But then the rest of the verse tells us that that it holds sinful man squarely responsible for that act. And you see, Scripture doesn't resolve this for us. What it does, it simply states two truths, that God is the one who has predestined everything that comes to pass. And that it's the responsibility of sinful men of carrying out those sinful acts that's on man's head. I mean, this is so what the, our confession of faith says. It says that God ordains all things that come to pass, yet so as thereby neither is God the author of sin. Okay, God, just because God ordains everything that comes to pass, God is not responsible for sin. He is holy. He is perfect. He cannot sin. He doesn't ordain, doesn't, he's not the creator of sin. Okay, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures. Okay, so that's what Acts 2.23 is, is telling us here. Just because God ordains all things that come to pass doesn't make, make men robots. We have to take responsibility for our own actions. And in the sovereignty of God, he holds that all together in a mystery. But we have to hold, we have to come towards this with some kind of saying that we are not going to necessarily be able to figure the ins and outs of the mechanics of predestination. We are presented with truths. And the truths are that God is sovereign, he ordains all things that come to pass, and that God is not the author of sin, that men are responsible for their own actions, sinful actions, and have to bear the, the consequences of those. Questions? Yes, Patrick. Yeah, look, I mean, there are certain things that God has, you know, God's revealed things to his, in, in his word that he wants us to try and understand. So we mustn't be lazy, but there's a whole lot of things like Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things of the Lord have not been revealed to us. And so I think some of those secret things are going to, he has a category. We, 
he has not revealed the mechanics of how it all works out in terms of predestination. All he, does, he, he has done, he's presented truths. And I, I think why we tend to, especially those of us from, from coming from you know, more Western cultures, we struggle with this stuff. Is because our culture, as I've hinted in the beginning, we've, we've, we, we are, in the air that we breathe, is a fiercely um, individualistic mindset. That, that No, it's up to us. We, we've got to make this happen. It's, it's out on us. And that's the issue. That, that's, that is something that needs to be challenged in us through the word of God. Um, it's hard, the whole idea of this, to actually work out the, the implications of the sovereignty of God. It takes, takes a bit of time. We need to, we need to submit ourselves to the, the truth of Scripture. Yeah. Sorry, Gary? No, um, Western culture is humanist. Absolutely. And so, therefore, in humanism, humanity is God. Center, yeah. And yet... Book of Romans chapter 3 says, Let God be God, and every man be found to be a liar. Yeah. I'd rather let God be God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Yes, James. I think the difficulty comes when we've got some sort of uh, unexplainable suffering. Yeah, that, that's a great question, James, and we, we will tackle it in more detail in the weeks to come. But, but all to, to say is that, you know, we live in the reality of a sin-cursed world. We live in a reality of the sin-cursed world, and we've got to hold that together with us. At the same time, it's, it's, 
think we can find comfort in the fact that God is sovereign even when we face untold sufferings. If God were not sovereign and we find ourselves in, in, in the dwang and life falls apart, I would find that to be, um, you know, when the world falls out of, uh, from beneath your feet, really the only thing that you got is to hold on to the sovereignty of God, that he indeed he is in control, that he does foreordain all things that come to pass. I may not understand why this is happening the way it has, but ultimately God does. And I may never understand why that tragedy happened, but I have to trust in God's word, which tells us that he is indeed working all things, even the bad things and the painful things together for his glory to work good. And when we, when we see this perhaps in our own experiences where we experience a credible uh, tragedy years ago and in the moment we cannot see how that could be the will of God, how any good could possibly come from some sort of thing like that. But it's only years later we realize, ah, you know what? I understand now why the Lord in his sovereignty allowed that bit of providence to, to happen in my life. And he's not the author of sin. That's what we must hold very strongly. God is good. He's not the author of sin. I think I'm Sure. My father, very well mannered man, dropped dead at the crease of a cricket, yeah, mm. cricket match. Yeah. And I was five years old. Sure. And, and it was a terrific, uh, well, just a terrific thing to handle then. And it kept with me for many, many years. Yeah, I'm sure. Until looking backwards, mm. and I'm not going to give you all the details, mm. but. Cool, but, but we will. It, it, it's an important point because it's we. This shouldn't make out God to be some cold monster who inflicts things upon us. That's not at all what we want to get out of this. He's a good and loving Father who loves His children, and um, we'll get into more of this as the weeks unfold. But we we do need to draw it to a close. It's, it's after ten. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the truth of your word that is continuing to shape us and sanctify us. Lord, we ask that you would prepare our hearts now as we enter your presence, as we come to worship you, that you would be glorified, that your gospel would be faithfully preached. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.